This is the IDP After Show. Welcome back to Johnny the Greek's Cornerback Corner. This is the audio edition for week 10. How's everyone doing? I hope we all had a good week nine. Plenty of shenanigans, some pretty good games. A lot of good information to cover this week as we head into uh, week 10. So let's get you all caught up with what happened last week, cover a little bit of transparency, and then we will look at what are the best streaming cornerback options for week 10. As is tradition, we'll start with a little transparency. So last week in week nine, I had 68 total calls. Of those, six were injured. That leaves us with 62 adjusted calls. I was 80% accurate on those for the written article edition. 38% of all correct calls were massive hits, so they doubled, tripled, quadrupled their projection, etc. On the season, I am 81% accurate on the written article, with 47% of all correct calls being massive hits. So please make sure you're checking out the written article as well. That's over at the idpshow.com. It is a bit longer, though. Good six, 7,000 words where this is 20, 30 minutes. In terms of audio edition transparency last week, so Cater Kohu doubled his projection. Jalen Ramsey was under projection. In fact, that whole game was weird. We did not get the shootout that we thought we would. Legereus Sneed was also under projection. However, Trent McDuffie tripled his projection. Stefan Gilmore met projection. Cam Taylor-Britt beat his projection. And DJ Reed met projection for cornerback 1-2 transparency last week, audio edition. Dart throws last week. Jamel Dean was injured immediately at the start of that game, so that stinks, but it is what it is. Carlton Davis met his projection. Steven Nelson doubled his projection. Tyreek Stevenson beat his projection. Dante Jackson beat his projection. C.J. Henderson was concussed almost immediately, so another injury shenanigans there. Not much we can do about that. Deron Bland was under projection. Darius Slay doubled his projection. Teron Johnson beat his projection. Sauce Gardner beat his projection. So last week we had 17 audio recommendations. 12 of them were correct. Four out of those 12 were massive hits, and two of them were injured during play. Not much we can do about that. So looking pretty good overall for both written and audio transparency last week. And just in general, this season still continues to be a a very good season statistically. Let's move on to week 10. Let's look at some of the best matchups for week 10. And just a quick note on week 10, four of the top 10 passing offenses in the entire league are on by this week. So not great. Not great in general. We're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit here. And that's been the theme in general the last few weeks. I don't know if if you guys feel like that. I do. Just with the incredible amount of injuries and things coming out of left field, promotions, demotions, Ogun Salabi or whatever that dude's name is on the Colts that (laughs) took over and, and left us high and dry on EJ Speed and Shaq Leonard. Same thing happened at safety for the Panthers. Just a lot of random, weird stuff the last few weeks here has left us all in survival mode where we just try and hang in there, do the best we can, get into playoffs, and that's all that matters. That's all we we really want to accomplish. And then by the time we get to playoffs, hopefully things have settled down, or if they haven't, we at least have a better grasp on what's going on across the league so we can make good, solid decisions for fantasy playoffs and win those titles. 
With that being said, the best matchups for Week 10 include Texans at Bengals. We've got a 44.5 point over under. The Texans are the 11th best passing attack in the league. They are middle of the pack in terms of wide receiver targets, but just use your eyeballs. C.J. Stroud's coming off 475 yards and five touchdowns last week. This dude is the truth. If they need to sling it, they can sling it, and I think they're going to need to sling it against the Bengals, who are currently ranked as the 23rd overall passing offense, but that ranking is quickly catching up to reality. They were as bad as the 28th ranked passing offense earlier this season and slowly but surely are climbing back up towards where they belong. Joe Burrow's been healthy for about a month now, and it's been a noticeable difference. He's been excellent. The Bengals are second overall in the league in terms of wide receiver targets. So that's excellent. That gives us plenty of value for our Texans corners and a good amount of value for our Bengals corners as well. So that's a beautiful matchup for this week. Also, probably the best matchup this week is Lions at Chargers. Not only is this indoors, but it features the Lions, who are the fifth best passing attack in the entire league. They target their wide receivers the 13th most. Their typical game script does include pretty much 50-50, half run, half pass but they may have to pass a little bit more than they'd like to this week against this really excellent Chargers passing attack that is ranked sixth overall in the entire league. And the Chargers have improved their wide receiver targets ranking from 21st to 10th. So that's moving in the right direction. As I mentioned uh, earlier, very high over under 48.5 points. I I don't know if I did mention that earlier, but I'm, I'm saying it now. It's a very high over under. That's very good. That means Vegas thinks we're going to get a ton of points and a ton of sustained offense, and that's what we need for IDP production, especially cornerback production. So spectacular setup for Lions at Chargers this week. Lots of great options in that game. Honorable mention, not quite a perfect stream, but has the potential to be very good. 49ers at Jaguars. This has got a 44 and a half point over under. There's a good possibility that Debo Samuel's back. The Niners are the 10th best passing attack in the league, as is. They've gone down to 28th overall in terms of wide receiver targets without Debo. With Debo, I think that's another good 10 wide receiver targets there by itself, just with him back on top of what we already get with Ayuk and and the other random guys that play on that team. So yeah, I, I think especially if we get Debo back, the 49ers side of this is looking really good. The Jags are the 15th best passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers 14th most overall. And both of those rankings are a little bit misleading. They haven't had to pass a lot this season because Travis Etienne has been, I'm pretty sure, besides CMC, like the RB1, maybe even better than CMC if we look at the stats side by side. He's been spectacular this entire season. And if you don't have to pass, why would you? If you can run, that gives you such an advantage over your opponent. It controls time of possession. It gives your defense time to rest. It allows you to set up play action. If you can run the ball, you should run the ball. There's no reason the Jags have had to pass lately, but I think they're going to have to this week against a 49ers team that's lost three games in a row, really needs a win, and it's probably going to come out swinging pretty good. So honorable mention for that one. Worst matchups for Week 10 include the following. Browns at Ravens. This has got a 39.5 over under, which is definitely on the lower side. The Browns are the 30th overall passing attack. So that's like the third worst in the league. 
They are also in the worst third of the league for wide receiver targets. That may improve somewhat now that Deshaun Watson's back, but wasn't a huge difference early in the season when we saw him under center. The Ravens are also in the worst third overall for their overall passing attack, and they're 23rd in the league for wide receiver targets. This game is outdoors in Baltimore in early November, so weather could be a factor. It's a divisional game, so it's going to be a knife fight to begin with. And these are two stellar defenses that have a ton of uh, talent and a ton of pride. And I think Vegas is right on with this one. It's going to be a lower-scoring black and blue affair, no doubt. That's not great for us. We probably want to avoid that. Another game that's probably not going to be great for us this week is Packers at Steelers. This has got a 38 for an over-under, which is very low. The Packers are in the worst third of the league for overall passing offense. They're in the middle of the pack for wide receiver targets. The Steelers are the 25th overall passing attack in the league. They're also the 25th overall team in terms of wide receiver targets. Their passing offense is so bad, they cannot sustain two-star wide receivers in any way, shape, or form. It's either a Pickens week or a Deontay Johnson week. There's no in-between. They've got enough targets and enough completions for one, but not both. So not ideal on either side of this. This is also outdoors in Pittsburgh in early November. So it's just a matter of time before the cold catches up with us, the snow catches up with us. I saw someone on Twitter asking, why does that matter? You try playing football when it's nice out and then try playing football when it's freezing out or it's snowing out. That should be obvious. I, I can't believe that someone actually had to have that explained to them on Twitter. It's a very obvious thing. Just use your brain. Beyond that, these two offenses have struggled to produce sustained drives and points all season long. I don't think anything's going to change this week. Another defensive struggle with Packers at Steelers, so I'm avoiding that one as well. Some likely cornerback one slash twos going into week 10. So Kenny Moore, the matchup is garbage. It's absolutely horrendous. It's the Patriots. But Kenny Moore has been absolutely on fire. He is the overall cornerback one by leaps and bounds. It was him and Darius Williams neck and neck for a while, but Darius Williams just had the bye week and Kenny Moore just put up like a 45, 50 point game in most leagues. So he's ahead by now, by for now, by a good amount. So doesn't matter at this point. Kenny Moore's had, I think, one bad week this season. So with a hot streak like this, we just can't sit him. I don't, I don't care how bad the matchup is. It's the same concept as Nate Hobbs. Sometimes they're just so good that it doesn't matter, and you just got to ride the hot hand, and that's what we're doing with Kenny Moore this week in a horrendous matchup against the Patriots. Another guy I think is very likely to be a cornerback one or two this week is Steven Nelson of the Texans. Very under-the-radar guy. Almost always hits his projection usually has a bit of a lower projection on a lot of these platforms because he's not a recognized name or, or a, a cornerback that a lot of people know about. But he's 100% of snaps, weekly starter on the Texans going up against the Bengals, which target their wide receivers the second most in the league overall. And despite their 23rd overall passing attack ranking, we know that's garbage. We know that's BS. The eyeball test tells us that the, tech, that the, excuse me, the Bengals are one of the best passing attacks in the league when Joe Burrow's healthy. That is quite apparent. So Steven Nelson is a guy you can get off waivers, whereas maybe when Derek Stingley's healthy, that's not a guy you can get off waivers. He's got some 
name recognition from his draft capital. But Steven Nelson should be an excellent option this week. Another excellent option this week, Cam Taylor-Britt on the other side of this matchup for the Bengals going up against the Texans and their 11th best passing attack in the league. C.J. Stroud coming off an absolutely monster game. Probably going to have to do more of the same against the Bengals to have any chance of winning that game. Going to have to throw early and often. Cam Taylor-Britt also in an excellent position to produce this week. Another guy I like this week, Darius Williams. The hot streak is still going. The only thing that stopped it was the bye week for him last week. But he hasn't had a bad game in six weeks or something. So Darius Williams up against the 49ers and their uh, 10th best passing attack. And just the nature of Darius Williams being one of the two 100% of snaps starting corners means that his game responsibility will be Debo or Ayuk. Either or, you should get plenty of targets. So we're looking good there for Darius Williams this week, no doubt. Another guy I like to bounce back a little bit this week, Jerry Jacobs. So Jerry Jacobs was on a phenomenal hot streak about two, three weeks ago. And then matchups became the issue. He ran into some bad matchups against some just horrendous passing offenses that could not complete a pass to save their life. That is not the case this week with the Chargers in town. Chargers, sixth overall passing attack in the league, 10th overall in regards to wide receiver targets. Just an indoor game. Just a great setup for Jerry Jacobs to get right back on a new hot streak. I like him quite a bit this week. And on the other side of that, I like Asante Samuel Jr. to be a cornerback one or two this week. He has been having his best season ever this year. He's quietly been very good. If it weren't for guys like Darius Williams, Benjamin St. Juice, Kenny Moore, uh, Devin Witherspoon, we'd be talking about Asante Samuel Jr. a little bit more. He is really getting it done this year, and he's going up against the Lions, who are the fifth best passing attack in the league and target their wide receivers 13th most overall. So great setup for Asante Samuel. And then Nate Hobbs. So the, the, if there's a chart that shows whether or not to start Nate Hobbs, it should say, is he breathing? Yes, no. And then if it's yes, the line goes down. Is he playing football this week? Yes, no. If it's yes, then you start him. If not, then you don't start him. As long as he's alive and playing football, you start Nate Hobbs and you assume he's going to be a cornerback one. Not the greatest matchup in the world, but who cares? Neither was last week against, what was it, the Giants? That was actually a blowout win, and Hobbs got to rest. He only played, I think it was 70-something percent of snaps, and he still had seven combined tackles, a pass defense, and and an interception. If Hobbs is playing, we play Hobbs. It's that simple. Uh, Some dart throws for Week 10. Quite a few dart throws here, so I apologize in advance for the number, but we got some pretty good options here for you. Uh, So first things first, uh, Derek Stingley is eligible to return from IR this week from everything I've seen. In fact, he has a projection in a lot of league sites. Yahoo's got him projected this week, amongst other places. I don't know if he's coming back or not. It's too early in the week to tell. But if he's inactive again, Shaq Griffin is a good option as a dart throw against the Cincinnati Bengals. If Stingley is active, I don't know if we can trust that due to a couple reasons. Higher risk of re-injury the first week back after an injury. And then also, we've seen this time and time again this season, getting eased back into the lineup. We saw it with Marlon Humphrey. Um, There's some more guys down below I wrote down. We'll talk about this later in the Misk Notes thing. But um, yeah, he could get eased back in and not get his full playing time. Part of the value of Derek Stingley is that he plays 100% of snaps. 
if he's inactive, though, Shaq Griffin is a great spot start guy that no one sees coming against Cincinnati this week uh, for those deeper leagues, no doubt. Another guy I like as a dart throw this week, Mike Hilton of the Bengals up against the Texans. So Mike Hilton has been very good the, the past couple few weeks here. In fact, he had 10 solo tackles last week. Part of that was Cam Taylor Britt got injured during that game and had to exit about halfway through. Cam Taylor Britt did all his damage before he exited. He had an interception and a few other plays, but he still had to leave early. And that gave Mike Hilton a boost up to 100% of snaps that he normally does not see. Anything over 80% of snaps for Mike Hilton is a really good week. So he almost never sees 100% of snaps. So he's been great. He's been hot lately. I'm a little iffy about the playing time in general this season, but the matchup is correct. The Texans are a good matchup for him. So I do Mike Hilton as a uh, dart throw in week 10. Another couple dart throws I like, Diamador Lenoir up against the Jaguars in their 14th best passing attack. 15th best wide receiver targets ranking overall. It's quite possible that the Niners, after losing three straight, are going to come out just steamroll on these guys and the Jags are going to have to pass more than they want to. If that happens to be the case, Diamador Lenoir and Chavarius Ward, another dar throw I like this week, are in a great situation. They just sit back, let that 49ers pass rush, which is truly scary now, do its thing and jump those routes, get an interception, get some pass breakups, some pass defenses, get some easy tackles. Ward and, Le- and, Le- and excuse me, Ward and Lenoir are in great position this week up against the Jaguars. Another dart throw I like this week, so Byron Murphy of the Vikings up against the Saints. The Saints are right now, quietly, the ninth best passing attack in the league. They have the fifth best wide receiver targets ranking. They're doing this quietly because they don't kill anyone. They don't beat the hell out of anyone. They barely win every week, and it's always way closer than it should be against an inferior opponent. But in the end, they get the win, and in the end, Derek Carr's numbers look pretty good. I know. I've, I've got him in too many places. He's, he's been very good the past month or so, and the Saints passing offense is legit. So Byron Murphy is a 100% of snaps corner on the Vikings, is set up really well against the Saints this week. I like that matchup. Another couple guys, this is iffy. This is definitely risky, but that's why we're talking about it in dart throws. So Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo could be legit if you believe that the Josh Dobbs we saw last week is the Josh Dobbs we're going to see on Minnesota, which I think is possible. The weapons are there. He's got weapons in Minnesota he did not have in Arizona. That is for darn sure. It's possible. This week will tell the tale, I think. Dobbs could become a pumpkin again, or he could keep it rolling. If he keeps it rolling, Lattimore and Adebo are in a good position. I don't say Elante Taylor, because Elante Taylor's playing time fluctuates wildly. It could be 80, 90, 100%. It was like 60-something percent last week. It goes up, it goes down. And there is no reason ever to accept anything less than 100% of snaps when you've got 96 different cornerbacks available most weeks, right? At least two-thirds of those guys play 100% of snaps. So you should never be accepting anything less than 100% of snaps. You are leaving points on the field by not taking that extra playing time. All right, a few more dart throws here. So we may get Kyler Murray this week for Arizona. If that is the case, 
then Jeff Akuda and AJ Terrell are in really good position to take advantage of a fresh Kyler Murray that's hopefully going to look like himself. It's a little bit risky. It is what it is. If you need it, deeper leagues, Akuda, Terrell, if Kyler Murray, Murray plays, that's a pretty good setup. This next one is essentially just a gut feeling, but I got a feeling that Devin Witherspoon is going to go absolutely crazy this week against the Commanders. So the Commanders have the 12th best passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers the fourth most overall, which was, <clears throat> excuse me, shocking when I figured that out or, or saw that a couple of few weeks ago. And that ranking hasn't moved all that much. They've been within the top 10 for wide receiver targets ranking most of this season. So what that means is Devin Witherspoon is going up against a team that passes the ball quite a bit, 12th overall passing offense, targets their wide receivers a ton, fourth overall wide receivers target ranking, and is led by a quarterback who is just terrible. He's not good. He's going to make mistakes. What have we seen with Devin Witherspoon this year? His big games come from bad quarterback play on the other side, that Giants game where he had 50-something points, and he takes advantage. He'll pick off a pass and take it to the house, or he'll have a couple interceptions, or some kind of splash play. I feel like the recipe is just right for Devin Witherspoon to just absolutely go nuts this week against this commander's team. So calling my shot now, Devin Witherspoon, big week. Another few dart throws here. I told you there were a ton this week. Benjamin St. Juice up against the Seahawks passing attack is uh, 15th overall, middle of the pack for wide receiver targets, but that's okay. We know they can throw the ball. We know they can complete passes. We've seen it plenty of times this year. And Benjamin St. Juice is still on a hot streak, so take advantage while you can. He'll be responsible for one of those excellent wide receivers over there, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, etc., so he's in a very good position to continue his hot streak this week. Okay, last couple dart throws here. So DJ Reed up against the Raiders. This is a little bit iffy. The Raiders are just middle of the pack for both their passing offense and for their wide receiver targets. But they did look a lot better with Aiden O'Connell under center last week, right? And DJ Reed still has the sauce effect going for him. People don't want to target Sauce Gardner, so they do target DJ Reed. And that is exactly the type of thing that an Aiden O'Connell type of quarterback would do. So I feel like DJ Reed is in for a pretty, pretty big week just based on those factors right there. And final dart throw for week 10, Patrick, yeah, excuse me, Patrick Sertain up against the Bills. Bills are the fourth best passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers sixth most overall. So Patrick Sertain is in a beautiful position to have a nice week. Unfortunately, he's the only one, though, for the Broncos. There's some fluctuation beyond him. We'll talk about that later. All right, worst ideas that seem good, Week 10 edition. I got to say it again, second week in a row, Razul Douglas. It's just not there yet. He only played 60% of snaps in his first week on Buffalo. He's up against the Broncos, which are the 28th worst passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers 29th most in the league. It is not a good setup to begin with for Razul Douglas, and he's still not at his full playing time on the Bills yet, so we ought to just skip it this week. And then also the Patriots, just the Patriots, period. Patriots cornerback core, I thought was a little bit solidified since J.C. Jackson got over there. It's not. It's more of the same. Anyone that's followed Patriots IDP for more than five minutes knows nothing stays the same. That defense morphs week to week based on the opponent, because that's what Belichick does, 
tries to take away whatever you do best. And he does that by moving around responsibilities, playing time, players, etc. Yeah, this cornerback court looked completely different this last week, and that's not good. If we can't count on certain guys getting a certain amount of snaps, then we can't predict if they're going to be a good option or not. I can't say, go play J.C. Jackson this week. He plays 100% of snaps every week. He's in a good position. And then he plays 50% of snaps. I'm the bad guy in that situation when it's really just Belichick being Belichick. So what I'll say instead is just avoid all of it. The Patriots cornerback core is very dangerous, unpredictable, and in flux right now. All right, and we'll get out of here with some miscellaneous notes. So the race to see who could stay above their projection all season is over. Benjamin St. Juiced is the winner. Marco Wilson finally had a game under projection last week while Benjamin St. Juice did that. So congratulations, Benjamin St. Juice. You are the only IDP cornerback left this entire season who has not been under projection even once the entire year. So that's good stuff. Marlon Humphrey, I want to talk about. He's definitely off to a slow start. The opposing passing offenses he's gone up against have had trouble completing passes. He's on a defense that's just excellent. So competition for tackles is pretty big. Uh, the safeties behind him are very solid. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. If you think I'm crazy, go and look at Mark, Marlon Humphrey's stats going back to his rookie season. He always figures out a way to make it happen. I think there are some big games still in store for him. So it's not like I've cut ties or cut bait or anything. I think he'll be fine. It just is what it is. He's off to a slow start. And he missed the first like month or two of the season. This should have happened weeks one through four and we'd be less freaked out about it than we are right now. I think he'll be fine, though. As I mentioned previously, so right now in most formats, Kenny Moore is the overall cornerback one. Pretty cool. He's done it before, so it'll be awesome if he can do it a second time. That'd be pretty neat. Also, as I mentioned previously, so the Broncos cornerback core is in flux. It was Patrick Sertain and Damari Mathis, and then I think it was like Jaquan McMillan or something is the third guy that didn't really matter all that much, if we're being honest. Damari Mathis was benched a couple weeks ago. Fabian Morrow took over for him. We haven't had a chance to see too much of Fabian Morrow, so we're still not entirely sure that it is Fabian Morrow because they just had a bye last week, and we just saw the, the change the week before that. Short version, I don't think we can trust Damari Mathis or Fabian Morrow this week which is unfortunate because they have the bills. If you, can, if you see something from a Broncos beat, beat writer or beat reporter that confirms who the second corner is, whoever that person is, is a good option. I just don't work for the Broncos, so they're not going to tell me, so I can't tell you. All right, another couple few notes here. Emmanuel Forbes is back. He lost his job about a month ago to Danny Johnson. He just got it back this last week. He only played 75% of snaps. I don't think he did anything crazy with them because I don't remember hearing about it. Regardless, that position is still in flux. We can't trust either one at the moment, so sit them both until we see some kind of pattern emerge that is trustworthy. Derek Stingley could be back as soon as this week. I mentioned that previously. Just be careful with that. So we've seen Marlon Humphrey, Kyler Gordon, and others this season eased back into the lineup, not immediately getting 100% of snaps. That's typically what happens coming off a multi-week injury like that. And Derek Stingley's been out for almost two months, I think. So I highly doubt they just plug him right back in at 100% of snaps if he does play this week at all. Another couple notes, Joey Porter up to 95% of snaps. He is now 
firmly the cornerback too in Pittsburgh. So looking good for him. Brian Branch, before that bye week last week, did play 100% of snaps. So he appears to be fully healthy and playing his full playing time. Beautiful timing with the Chargers in town this week. So that looks good. And last but not least, the Bills breakdown with Razul there last week was Teron Johnson, 100% of snaps. Dane Jackson, 84% of snaps. Razul, 60%. And Christian Benford as the uh, guy that's probably going to lose his job, 49% of snaps. So still a bit in flux, but it looks like Teron, Dane Jackson, and Razul Douglas are going to be your three corners that we can use in Buffalo. And that's pretty much it. That's all I got for you guys this week. Hope everything works out. It continues to be a dumpster fire. But we do the best we can each and every week, and we stay on top of it. And because we're doing this and a lot of our league mates aren't, it gives us a better chance to beat them and get into playoffs and win titles. And that's what we're all here for. That's it. That's all I got. Don't forget, if you live in California, check out the Touchdown Hoedown every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That is at the Desert 5 Spot at 6516 Selma Avenue in Hollywood, California. For details, contact at Lamont, L-A-M-0-N-T-562 on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. Have a good week. Hope your cornerback streams work out. We'll see you again, same time, same place, next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This was the IDP After Show.